Welcome everybody to Damage Radio, heard here live on MockerRadio.com, where music admires me. You already know me, I'm RC, alongside my guest. He's a co-host of Wrestling Radio on 1520 AM, WCHE, play-by-play commentator at the world-famous Monster Factory known as Ferran Burgundy. But friends, and myself included, know him as Ferran Derry. Ferran, always a pleasure, man. Welcome back. It's good to be back. It's uh, it, it'll be even better when we can actually do these things in person as opposed to through you know, Zoom or Skype or Google Hangouts or all of these other video platforms that I'm giving unintentional plugs for. Uh, Isn't it crazy? It, it yeah. is. I mean, we have hit a year of this. Uh, in fact, well, yeah. When this uh, when this does air, this uh, oh, yeah, this is what the twenty second of right. uh, of March. Uh, it'll actually be now one year and one day since I was last on the air three clicks down the dial. Jeez, man. Yeah, I, March I just, 21st, I remember... 2020 was the last time I DJed and hosted Pro Wrestling Weekly. And yeah, 1 p.m. that Saturday, the 21st, was the last time uh, that I have been on the air live in that capacity. I remember going up that dirt road you know, t- to that building, walking up to the steps and walking right in there, man. First time, you know, do- doing a show with you. And, uh, and what great memories. Yeah, a lot of great memories. And, I mean, I don't regret my time there, but we talked about it before. There, there have been some things that have happened since then that have kind of put me in a little bit sour mood towards the upper, upper management of that place. So even if they were to ask me back, which they won't, I have no intention of going back. Well, you you grew out of that place. Now you're doing bigger and better things, you know? Yeah. I I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in a way I should say, I mean, I I certainly have in my, uh, my co-hosts of Mike Samsel, Mike Mataraki and Lucas Twitch to Sangro. It is a fun foursome to say the least. Uh, and it allows for kind of a plug and play of different hosts at different times. If one isn't available, uh, for, for whatever reason, I know Samsel does a lot of football play by play for Westchester university. Uh, so, or, well, he does a lot of sports commentary for them in general. So when he's out with that, either Mataraki or myself are able to kind of take the ball and run with it. Uh, and Lucas is kind of there for both analysis as an independent wrestler as well as kind of the comedic fourth banana in this case as well now i gotta ask you you were like the joey styles at at our pro wrestling weekly you know you, ha- you held it on your own for so long now you got three other uh inter- interesting characters is it hard to uh know when to say something and know when to just you know step back and let them do their their thing for me not really i mean there are a couple of differences. One, Pro Wrestling Weekly was, with a couple of rare exceptions, an hour a week. Right. So I knew I could kind of hold my own for that time. Wrestling Radio is two hours. Mm. So there's a different dynamic with that. And it feels a little bit better, to, for me at least, to not have the pressure of constantly carrying the show and you know pu- pushing the show forward i can take a little bit of a step back which is probably good because i mean my overall kind of dedication and direction has definitely 
left something to be desired over the course of the last few months, especially uh, dealing with some personal issues um, and family issues. You know, Mama Burgundy passing. Uh, so I, th- I think that has. Sorry about that again. Yeah, no, it, it's it's crazy. It's been four yeah. months now, and uh, like just now, we're we're figuring out some of the like financial things. I mean, I'm looking forward to getting reimbursed by the estate because I've been putting out a lot of money while we get everything figured out, just to keep things running, like the mortgage and well, yeah, you know, you've got one of those too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. nodding very fervently at that, and two kids um, too. Yeah, well, exactly. I don't have any kids. I, mean, I just have a very, um, a, a very bougie canine, but that's about all I've got. Um, nice, but yeah, no, it, it's but yeah, it, it, it's it's uh, it's certainly been a challenge, and I've I've kind of been all all over the place. Um, so it's good to kind of have somebody else to bounce things off of, and kind of be more of the supplemental guy as opposed to the guy. Got it. So to make Matt Porter laugh, you're not doing any uh, Danny Kukler uh, three hour, three to four hour New Japan pro wrestling shows, right? No, there, there's. Uh, I mean, we do, we do discuss New Japan a little bit, and I will admit that Lucas actually carries the ball on that, and and Samsel much more so than I. But with my schedule. I'm lucky to watch just the big shows at this point. Uh, no, you know, no Paul White yeah. joke intended. No there. BS included, man. No, it, it's uh, but yeah, I mean, even even catching like the highlights of Raw and SmackDown and NXT and Impact and AEW. I mean, that right there. If I were to dedicate to all of those and watch them nonstop. That's what three, five, seven, nine, eleven hours a week out of 168, just of watching wrestling programming. Right. And I don't know. I'm no math major, but eleven out of 168. I mean, that's that's about six and a half percent of your week right there. Yep. That's that's a big ask. Monday and Tuesday nights, I'm at the Bullets, Bullets, Bullets House, and uh, we're watching uh, wrestling, uh, Raw and Elevation on Monday, and then AEW Dark and Impact on Tuesday. So, yeah, and and that's the thing I haven't even like mentioned yet: AEW Elevation, AEW Dark. So, I mean that yeah, you throw those on there. That's another couple hours. So you're up to 13 mm-hmm. hours a week. So there's just and I didn't even mention Ring of Honor. I didn't even mention New Japan. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of content out there and there's a lot of things to delve into on a weekly basis. So, you know, a little bit of his reaction, a little bit of it is highlights. And I mean, occasionally there are other stories that crop up as well. Right. So, uh, we just, we just had St. Patrick's day, man. How was your St. Patrick's day? Just a normal day, really. I mean, again, it's just my sister and I at the house now, so kind of have to take care of things. So I did grocery shopping this morning or well that morning, I should say. Now, do you cut coupons? the time. Do you cut coupons? I do a little bit of a, a coupon clipping. Uh, I am a, uh, my sister louds me for uh, being a very frugal individual. She has a certain nickname that definitely would not pass muster, but um, yeah, it, uh, it, it rhymes with frugal. We'll just leave it at that. Nice. 
Oh man, Fran, I miss you, man. <laughs> See, I'm I'm tiptoeing across that line, tip, Porter. Tip on that line. Tiptoe on that line. He's uh, oh man, what is this coop gonna say I'll next? Oh mercy. Right. So all right, that's yeah. No, I just clipped and- coupons and went to work, and then uh, here we are having a chat again, breaking the fourth wall. Hey, Colt Cabana, how you doing? And uh, yeah, we're we're having a chat here on this uh, St. Patrick's Day evening. I know I've completely broken kayfabe, but yeah. So uh, let's talk about man. The Monster Factory is finally allowing fans back in the building. I think it was on in February. Uh, how was that like for you as a play-by-play commentator to have fans back in there to react to the matches? Well. I mean, it it just it felt like just coming back from a little bit of a layoff. I know that there were some recorded events that the factory was doing as kind of like training matches, and I was still in the grieving process or heavy in the grieving process at that point. So I didn't feel I didn't feel it was right for me to go down there. Uh, it's kind of weird how that works. Like that when they had an event with fans in it. Uh, the last time, a couple of times prior to it, uh, one of them was on November 21st which uh, of 2020, which was just hours after having the funeral service for my mother. So that was more of an in-the-moment, just needing to get away from things, just needing to not cry my eyes out for, you know, for a couple hours, and... I mean, the the emotional outpouring uh, and support of everybody down there at the factory has been just overwhelmingly great. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where they like me more than I like me, if that makes sense. So, yeah. I mean, they keep saying, you know, hey, we'd love to have you down here more. And I need to take them up on that because they do genuinely enjoy my company. And it feels like, and I know this is a joke that's going to go over most people's heads, but it's like that Sally field moment of you like me, you really like me. Or Mick Foley. Yeah. I mean, well, Foley took it from her for, I'm I'm going with the OOG here, you know, the original. Okay. I I can dig it. I can dig it. But yeah, let's, let's talk about that, man. Uh, We finally saw Royal money, man. Who's been a tag team specialist for so long. Finally get his due, man, beating LSG for the MFPW Heavyweight Championship. Um, it all started with that promo, man, by, by the river, I think it was, in Camden. He, he spoke from the heart, man. It was a good, solid, like, four-minute interview, or promo. What were your thoughts on that promo? Well, I mean, I've known Royal a long time. and I mean, I'd say at this point, probably about five and a half years. I mean, he was there day one when I was there back in December of 2015 when I first started. And he has been one of the very few, actually, if not one of the only uh, foundation pieces there. There are others who have who have come and gone since then. There are others who have taken hiatuses, but... Royal has been one of those very few constants and is a kind of bridge from the early Danny Cage era to the present Danny Cage era. Okay. Is there a difference between the early Danny Cage era and the present? Uh, I think 
I mean, well, yeah, there, there's definitely been a lot of adaptation, especially physically, as far as the changes needed to be made to adhere to various pandemic protocols. But I think trying to see how much I can say without, uh, with, you know, without getting any kind of heat. Uh, but no, I think there is a change in, I think Danny is, is a little more understanding of people's situations and realizing that the times are just in general calling for a lot less hard nosed callousness mm-hmm. and, seeming indifference. And I think he has adapted very well to that. Uh, not to say that the wrestlers aren't less tough. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not necessarily going down that route. I'm more saying that I think that things that may have flown years ago aren't really flying now. And I think a lot of that are societal things as well. And Danny has adapted and been ahead of the curve on that. And I mean, we've seen a lot of those things. We've seen the uh, the, the speaking outs uh, from last year, and you know, D- Danny makes sure that none of that stuff occurs at the factory. He wants to make sure that it is a safe place for everybody. Not that he didn't before, but I think a lot of these things are coming to light now, and he's just being more proactive even more so than before to make sure that there's not any issues that are going on with, uh, with, with various, various individuals, you know, there's not any of that chicanery. There's not any, uh, you know, not anything inappropriate going on. Right. Well, it's a perfect segue into the March show because we can, it was called, um, there was an incident there where Danny had to, uh, you know, go off the fly and, and, uh, let them know not in his house. Can you uh, talk a little bit more about what happened on the incident since you were there live? Uh, yes. Well, I didn't hear what was said from somebody in the crowd outright, but during the tag team championship match, it was Goldie and wet Brett waters defending the MFPW tag team championship against former champions, Oliver and Daniel Alexander. I believe some or all of whom you've had on this program, if I recall correctly. Uh, During that match, someone out in the crowd, presumably towards something that was being done by one of the Golden Era members to Daniel Alexander, somebody had yelled something to the effect of, send him back to Africa. And I didn't hear it at the time because I was focused on calling the match. But the person who had yelled it, it was loud enough for Danny to hear it in the back. And after the match was over, uh, you've seen it on social media. He he came out and said, you know, I'm going to get real, real with you. And, you know, he said that, you know, there's no room for that here. That, uh, you know, if somebody, you know, whoever said it, if they have a problem and he gave out his cell phone number, which, I mean, it's on his car, he's said it probably uh, probably here as well. Uh, but yeah, he, he basically said, you know, if you have a problem with it, you can hit me up, 609-471-7904, and we'll work that bleep out. Having a leader like that, you know, stand up for what's right, how'd that make you feel? Oh, I mean, it, it's... 
like I already know. Like I mean, I love Danny, and I know Same. that he has. Yeah, he he has a great deal of affection for those who, you know, th- those who he gets close to, and I'm certainly one of those individuals. And I've always felt like it was a safe place, not just you know, just just keeping out things like racist comments like that, but even. I, I guess to kind of put it in a uh, in a tongue-in-cheek humorish sense, I feel like with uh, with with Danny Cage, you know, he he makes it a safe place. Like there's no issue with me behind the scenes from anybody, even though I'm kind of jokingly referred to as the Pat Patterson of the MFPW. Yeah, because I'm you know I mean I've been out and proud for more years than I'd like to admit, but it's also not any kind of an issue to anybody. You know, I'm right. not saying anything inappropriate. It's just, okay. It's, you know, that's, that's just, that's just Burgundy. Or if it is, right. it's, it's a joke that people joke with me, not at me about. And, and that's what it that, should be more of that. Yeah. So, and, and if there was any feeling where it was something derogatory at me or, or something along those lines, I could say something to Danny and, and it would be instantly taken care of. Right. And knowing that you had that kind of backup and that kind of second family is why they're so needed right now because of what, what happened in the past four months ago and everything that has happened personally for you. And knowing that you had them as your, as your real family on the the end of the day. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, all those guys, I mean, Royal Travis Jacobs, uh, LSG, you know, the golden era. I mean, it just is they're, they're I feel like if I roll off all the names, I'm either going to a name the entire roster or B I'm going to forget somebody and feel like a complete, uh, uh, uh yep. donkey will go with, because yep. I don't know if I can say the other word. I love how you come up with names on the fly. You know, we don't got to worry about you front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other people. Yeah. You might have to worry about certain words slipping and I'm like, all right, how can I make this radio safe? Porter had his uh, finger on that, his, on that, you know, damage on, on the so crash many times. button. Yeah. Um, you know? Better the crash button than the dump button. True, man. So um, besides that damper in um, the Because We Can uh, event, talk about everything else that happened because we all thought Royal was, was the new heavyweight champion, but that wasn't the case. Can you elaborate on that? Well, at the the prior show, Factory Reboot, which was on the 27th of February, uh, LSG was initially set to defend the MFPW Heavyweight Championship against Travis Jacobs, Royal Money's longtime tag team partner as part of Money is Inevitable. Yep. Travis ended up with a pretty serious back injury, and he was unable to compete. Well, which which we had found out that he actually had been kind of working through the injury since October, maybe. Oh wow! And, but it was something where he, you know, he it was getting worse. He saw a doctor, and he was definitely on the shelf. So Royal, who you know has also had heavyweight title opportunities, and you know has been a mainstay in the MFPW for a long while he was given that opportunity and 
LSG kind of got into his head and was playing some mind games, talking about how Royal is an afterthought and how, you know, Royal wasn't even supposed to be there. And the only reason that he's there is because Travis got injured. And all of that smack talk to take Royal off of his game, while it didn't take him off of his game during the match, after the match, it definitely affected him to the point where he said, you know, it's great that I won this, but I didn't want to win it like this. And he just threw down the title. And that's how the show ended. Wow. And his issue was not so much about getting the title opportunity, but the fact that he was not initially thought of as the title contender, that it took another person's injury for him to be put in that spot as opposed to being put in that spot from the get-go. Okay. I can understand both sides to a degree. You know, I mean, the other option is to have, I mean, what would it have been another triple threat match or something? I mean, yeah. you know, there, there's, uh, and then you have to worry about, well, all right, Royal and Travis then ends up being like a two-on-one handicap match for the for that part. So you, you can't really go about it that way. So you have to, I mean, it was just, it was an opportunity. Uh, a great example was, you know, did, 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 did Tom Brady throw a fit because he wasn't, Immediately a starter, he had to wait for Drew Bledsoe to get injured back in 2001. So, I mean, both of them make great points. And, I mean, they were going head-to-head about it for quite a while, um, even during the show. And what ended up occurring was a match that ended up being the main event between Royal Money and Nikos Rikos. And yep. the winner would advance to a single elimination tournament that'll be going on in early April. Uh, I want to say April 9th. Yeah, April 9th is going to be the date. And that will crown a new heavyweight champion. Uh, so now I heard uh, the match that he had, Royal Howard Nikos, uh, there was a chop fest going on there, wasn't it, for a minute? Well... With Royal Money, one thing that you... Well, there are two things that you definitely don't want to compete with Royal in. One is those reverse knife-edge chops. Which Stuart found out firsthand that you don't do that. I remember that YouTube video. Stuart, yeah, Stuart Campbell, Stu the announcer yep. uh, on yep. various forms of social media. And the other is just fisticuffs, because dude's from Camden. He's been in right. his share of fights. Mm-hmm. He is ra- he is rather tough in that regard, and that's why I'm glad that I've always been on his good side. Same here. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, Nikos just uh, that that was definitely not the way to gain the advantage. And Royal did end up winning the match, and will now advance to that tournament coming up on April 9th. Now, did you have any uh, predictions in this tournament? Are well, you like to see in the finals? Well, I mean, the qualifying matches are going to occur on the next show, which is on the 27th of March. So uh, that'll be this Saturday by the time this airs. Right. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, the matches at this as of right now or as of when we are recording this have not fully been set up. They have just announced that there will be qualifying matches for the tournament. 
So there's still a lot of wait and see when it comes to that. But you kind of got to have money on Royal money with the, the fire that he has behind him right now and the drive of that little chip on the shoulder, which, you know, he gave up that, that championship. Of course, he's going to want it back. Yeah, no, that that's the, you're certainly not wrong there. I mean, uh, you would think that he is the odds on favorite, but uh, I mean, over the course of, I mean, by the, by the time this airs here, other matches will have been announced, but as of the time we are recording this, uh, one of the qualifying matchups is going to be Shaheem Ali taking on Max, Classy Max Sterling. Mm-hmm. And that is a match that had occurred at the last event because we can. And to my knowledge, uh, was the first time in the MFPW history that there was a time limit draw. Right. So I imagine that it's going to be a little bit longer. Uh, you know, the, the time limit was a 20 minute time limit draw that had occurred here. So I would imagine maybe these matches are going to have 30 minute time limits. It's hard to say. I'm just, that is mere speculation on my part. So I don't know for certain. Uh, the other matchup that is scheduled is a tag team championship match. The Golden Era, Goldie and Wet Brett Waters, defending against the number one contenders, Jimmy the Jester and Bobby Buffet. Uh, the the tag team, uh, they affectionately call themselves The Sickness and The Thickness. <laughs> They're underdogs too, man. I like them in the ring because you got that, you know, funny side and you got that all business side. Mr. Eat, eat, eat. Well, I mean, and historically, you've seen a lot of very prominent tag teams that have come about from having somebody who's a little bit smaller, more agile and quicker in the ring, and then somebody who is considerably bigger, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's two dudes with attitude, Shawn Michaels and Diesel, whether it's Owen Hart and Yokozuna, uh, you know, you, you have that big, small combination and... You know, Kane and X-Pac even. I'm kind of dating myself, as you can tell, in the like new generation and uh, and attitude right. eras. But, you know, I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of other examples, but you get the idea. Definitely. Now, you mentioned the Golden Era. I saw Sean came back. Now, where was he? And and now that he's back, is, are they, is it a trio again? Uh, well, Sean Venor is certainly involved in all of the Golden Era's antics. Uh, I haven't had the chance to chat with him to figure out where exactly he's been. Uh, I would imagine that there are some uh, some academic things that kind of kept him aside, uh, at least to the best of my knowledge. But I mean, he he's he's back. He's he's put on a little bit of muscle. Uh, you know, he uh, you know, got rid of the braces that he had. And, um, yeah, now he's, uh, you know, I think he's actually, I want to say today is his, well, as the day that we're recording, this is his 21st birthday. So what a heck of a birthday to have on St. Patrick's day when you're 21. And we're showing our age, Ron. Who are you telling? Right. Oh man. So any other monster factory talk you'd like to tell the damage fans out there? Oh gosh! Um, off the top of my head, I mean, I'm I'm still getting reacclimated into things. Um, it's yeah, I mean, the, it's great that we're having fans back. We're doing everything with uh, with COVID protocols, 
and you know we're having limited seating, uh, which thankfully all the events have sold out because of that. But everything's spaced out accordingly. And like everybody else, we're just watching for the changes and trying to keep up when it comes to the pandemic protocols and and what might be alleviated, what will be alleviated, whatever changes may occur. So for the fans out there that are still a little, you know, hesitant about coming, it's a safe place. Yes, it's a it's a safe place from a pandemic perspective. It's a safe place from an inclusion perspective. Yeah, the, the, as you can see there, or, I mean, as you've heard of everything that's gone on here, there is uh, there is no room for hate and intolerance. Yeah, you know, only only what you see in the ring and the rivalries that occur there. We already know what uh, Porter and myself think of Danny Cage in the factory. We've known them for over eight years now, so we have nothing but love. As my good old friend Aaron Ganey, rest in peace, would always say to me, oh, nothing but love for you, baby. You know, oh, so man. Austin Factory always holds, us, holds a good spot in my heart. And so definitely, guys, definitely go check out their shows. And uh, they're, they're definitely uh, putting on a show every single month, twice a month even. So definitely go yeah, check them out. It's still, uh, it, it's, it's still a work in progress as far as the longer-term plans because – there's only so far in advance you can go without kind of knowing how the rest of society is going to be with the pandemic. I mean, even look at the the Philadelphia Phillies, for example. They're mm-hmm. only selling tickets for games through the beginning of May because they don't know what kind of a turn one way or the other things will go. Isn't that crazy? For the first, like, we don't know what the future holds. And that's the scary part. Well, I know that I'm looking forward to going to a Phillies game again. I already got my tickets for uh, for a game in April. I'll be uh, going with another couple of uh, of factory and damaged alum in uh, Mike Dobbs or Michelle and Major yes. McClendon. Oh, nice man! The major that's, that's um, gonna be yeah. That's, that's gonna, gonna be a that's time. gonna be a wild time. Yes, it is, man. Last game I went to was when Ryan Howard was on the team, so I got to get to a game. It's been it's been a minute, yeah, yeah. It's been a minute. So uh, let's switch gears a little bit, man. Let's go to WWE. Uh, the Fastlane pay per view is coming up March twenty first. We're going to see the IC champ Big E versus Apollo Cruz. You know Apollo lost to Big E a couple times. Now he's got this chip on his shoulder, you know, and he tried to take Big E out, or he did. Do you think Big E is going to come back and win this and, and regain or, or retain? Well. <sighs> It's kind of hard for me to give predictions because as of the time that this airs, the event will have already happened. So I'll either sound like a, a genius or an idiot, depending on what my uh, what my options are here. So um, I'm going to presume that it was a great event. Uh, it, it may, yeah. I mean, looking at the card, though, I mean, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, Biggie and Apollo Cruz. Uh, you know, you've got the Universal Championship, Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. Uh, you've got the women's tag titles, uh, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler against uh, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. Uh, and I'm a little intrigued. I, I don't know where exactly they're going to go with Randy Orton and Alexa Bliss. Or uh, So we'll, we'll, we'll see. But, I mean, we all know that this is kind of the, uh, I mean, even though it's called Fast Lane, it's more of the speed bump on the road to WrestleMania. Right. 
So uh, yeah, so I got I got Big E in that matchup. I, I think Big E is a hell of a talent, and I think you know the sky's the limit for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I have to go down with some semblance of predictions, I probably could have said, "Oh, tune in this uh, this Saturday to Rasslam Radio," but uh, no, Boom. that's well, that's also because by the again by the time this airs, that Saturday will have already occurred. So it's uh, it, it's it's fun kind of playing with the space time continuum, and I don't even have a DeLorean, right? So uh, let's talk about that Randy Orton Alexa Bliss match. Uh, when do you think the mind games are going to stop? And do you what version of Bray Wyatt you think is going to return? I I don't know. I I I hate to cop out by by just saying I don't know, but uh, I mean I don't even know what I want to see out of it. If that makes sense. I know. Yeah. So it's it's and a little bit of that comes from well I don't want to set up expectations for myself just to have them falter right. and lead to disappointment because I think a lot of people are looking at a lot of these things here and they're either setting the bar too high and setting themselves up for disappointment or if they're setting the bar at something that because it's not what they want they're going to be disappointed so I'm very cautious to kind of give any pre-match desire, intrigue, whatever word you want to use to describe, you know, to, to describe, I guess, my interest in it. You know, I'm just, yeah. I'm one of those people who doesn't like to be spoiled. I'm not one of those people who, you know, wants to know ahead of time what's going to happen. I just like to sit back and let right. everything unfold. Right. Like a roller coaster, just let it ride. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But um, the Drew McIntyre Sheamus match—that's going to be hard hitting. Uh, I, I, I personally think uh, with Drew going to WrestleMania to versus Bobby Lashley, the Almighty Bobby Lashley, uh, I think Drew McIntyre is going to make a statement in this matchup, beating his former friend in Sheamus. But like you said, it's going to be one of those matches that can go either way. I think at this point, I mean, it would be hard-pressed for Drew McIntyre not to continue on to WrestleMania and be able to get the WrestleMania moment that was, to a degree, withheld from him because last year WrestleMania was held without fans. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you feel about that with WrestleMania having a two-day event April 10th and 11th in Tampa Bay, Florida? Do you think they're... Uh rushing this a little too soon having all the fans back in there i know florida has all the restrictions lifted and everything but how do you feel if you were like wrestling there and uh knowing that it's going to be a sellout well i mean it i guess i don't have enough of the details like are they is it full capacity that's what i thought because florida is lifted everything right that, that's that's where I'm a little uncertain. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to look it up as we're, we're speaking here. Uh, yeah, no, I'm... I'm, I'm I, I know that they were kind of watching how the NFL was going to handle hosting the Super Bowl to kind of learn logistically what does and does not work. Uh, and at that time, they did have a capacity of 25%. So they were able to have an official attendance at the Super Bowl of just under 25,000 spectators. Okay. 
which now I didn't we, realize we, uh, that the also, stadium was a hundred thousand capacity, so something doesn't add up there. But that's true. Yep. Now, how do you feel about uh, the Hall of Fame getting the twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one? Is that going to be enough time to induct everybody, including the newest inductee, Mighty Molly Holly? Ah, uh, I'm sure that they may have to kind of put a uh, a bit of a hold on. The uh, I mean, it's not like they named a whole lot of individuals, but I, I, I mean, maybe they'll have like a smaller class this year to make up for it. Because right. as it is, you look at last year's class, there's one, two, three, four, five, six. And then Molly Holly announced this year is the seventh. Who was and, last year's class? I forget, to be honest with you. Well, I have it right here. So we have Batista. Okay. JBL. The posthumous entry of the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. Uh, the international inductee of Jushin Thunder Liger. Mm. Uh, and then your, I guess, group inductees, you have the tag team of the Bella Twins. And you have the New World Order of Hogan, Hall, Nash, and Sean Waltman. Or Six, as he was known yeah. then. Although it's a, some would argue it's a little bit of a cop out because all four of them would be two time inductees, right? Uh, for yeah, I mean, in Hogan Hall and Nash's case, they've had inductions as individual career members, and in Sean Waltman's case, he was inducted as X Pac of Degeneration X the year prior. So yeah. two Hall of Fame inductions in two years. It's it's interesting. It's very interesting. Speaking of interesting, uh, after 16 years, the almighty Bobby Lashley is finally the new WWE champion. What are your thoughts on that? And do you think it's, uh, it's, it's been a long time coming? It, it did kind of come from out of nowhere. Uh, not, you know, it, it, uh, I mean, he has certainly been doing some impressive work. And... Yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's a long time coming. I mean, dude's 44 years of age mm. and finally able to, uh, able to get to the top. Um, kind of lost in all of it is that he's only the third African-American to win the WWE championship after The Rock and Kofi Kingston. Yeah. Uh I, I'm I'm glad that they kind of used the Miz as a buffer to get it to Lashley because I think they're gearing up for that Drew McIntyre Bobby Lashley WrestleMania match. Showdown. Yeah. That showdown. And it also gives the Miz credibility because I think he tends to get lost in the shuffle a little bit in terms of some of the greats of this generation and perhaps because he had that short title reign 11 years ago people kind of think oh he was a flash in the pan but you know now being a two-time heavyweight champion an eight-time intercontinental champion you know he's won the tag team titles uh well between the world raw and smackdown eight different times uh he's won the united states championship twice so he's yeah, the, uh, under the most recent format, he is the only wrestler to be a two-time Grand Slam champion. 
Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he won a Money in the Bank ladder match. So, I mean, The Miz is definitely a Hall of Famer down the road once he decides to end his career. And, I mean, he's he's done a lot for being only 40. Right. That's, that's pretty impressive, too. And uh, what also is impressive is what MVP has done for the Hurt Business and kind of, like, gave... Bobby Lashley, Cedric Alexander, and Tilton Benjamin, like, new life. Yeah, they, that group, the Hurt Business, looks like a million bucks. Uh, I know that they're kind of kept in this tweener-ish heel role at the moment, but, I mean, you could turn them babyface, and, I mean, we've seen it. They've gotten babyface pops in their kind of warding off of retribution back in the, you know, in the summer and fall. Right. And, and it was something, we, yeah, itself, yeah. Th- threw us to a, a loop. Like, wait a minute, these are supposed to be bad guys, but they're getting cheered. Mm-hmm. And, and how they came out out of nowhere, just kind of like to stand up, you know? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's very impressive. Definitely. So, um, how, what are your thoughts on retribution and, the kind of like downward spiral that they have went. Were you, are you surprised on that? Well, uh, we, we've talked a little bit about this on wrestling radio too. Uh, I feel like retribution was meant to almost be kind of a, a sociopolitical take. Cause Vince sometimes likes to do that. He likes to take some real life things and, poke fun at stuff that he doesn't like. And I think that retribution is supposed to be the WWE personification of the various protest groups like, like the BLM movement or, or Antifa or things of that nature. And his intent is to make them look as goofy and foolish as possible because well we we've seen Vince McMahon's track record on race over the over the years. You know, th- right. 30 years ago he was uh trotting out Tony Atlas as Saba Simba, you know, with a with a spear and shield. So, yeah. and he hasn't exactly, you know, he he they even utilized his um I guess preference for race is part of the storyline leading into Kofi mania a couple of years ago at WrestleMania 35. You're right. So yeah, I think this was just Vince kind of, uh, you know, taking the yellow out of, uh, out of the, at the time, the, you know, the, 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 the various protests that were going on nationwide toward police brutality and, making this group that is set to resemble them look like a bunch of chumps to show where he stands on that. Right. Now, let's switch gears. Uh, All Elite Wrestling. Uh, Over a year already. I'm highly impressed, man. First Sting, then Paul White, and now Christian Cage. They're really going with the... um, the sign the XWWE guys, but good for the locker room as well. Um, what are your thoughts on these recent signings? Uh, plus, with uh, all ego, uh, what was his name? Ethan Page. Yeah, all ego Ethan Page. Um, right. uh, they've they've certainly done their fair share of acquiring talent. 
especially when it comes to the you know the forbidden door that Tony Khan constantly references and how there have been relationships made with Impact Wrestling uh, with the NWA with New Japan Pro Wrestling and it certainly gives a feeling of who's going to show up this week and we've certainly seen that with these latest acquisitions but they're uh, these acquisitions I think are meant to be supplementary pieces yeah, you know, you're you're talking about Sting, who is what sixty one. Actually, yeah. By the time by the time this airs, he will have had his sixty second birthday, as he as he would have turned sixty two this past Saturday. Wow! So and he's you know, still taking so, a bump from Brian Cage. Well, and and that's and that's some of it is that he is, you know, I mean, he's not. This is not going to be the same surfer sting from 30 years ago that was fending off Ric Flair as the Black Scorpion. And we, we know right. this. Of course. You know, same thing, you know, that Paul White. You know, he's closing in on 50. You know, the, you know, he, he, uh, yeah, he, he just turned 49 like a month and a half ago. If so, he comes out in the Waterboy character like they said they were going to do. Oh, I, and and that would be a hilarious thing, and it's good again for for some comedy purposes. But right, and and Christian Cage, I mean, he's up there as well. I want to say he's what, like forty seven or forty eight? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's forty seven. So I mean, these guys are not meant to overshadow the main event talent that's currently there. You know, your your Kenny Omega, your your John Moxley, you know, Eddie Kingston. Yeah, I mean, they're there to help supplement and build the stars of the future. And that's what makes AEW a little bit intriguing is that you can follow the journey of some of these guys who are starting off at a younger age and making their way up as opposed to WWE, where I, I talked about this extensively following the Royal Rumble out of the 30 men's participants, this is a little fun trivia question for you. How many WWE male Royal Rumble entrants this year were under the age of 30? Out of the 30 wrestlers? I'm going to say probably 17. No, two. Really? Only two were under the age of 30. By comparison... 16 of them were over the age of 40, or were 40 and older, I should say. 16 were over the age of 40 and older. Well, they, they, were, well, they were age 40 and up. We're, we're, yeah, wow. we're in their 40s or higher in the case of Kane. But yeah, the only two individuals who were under the age of 30 were Otis, who was 29, and Dominic Mysterio, who was 23. Right. Wow. So, yeah, it's kind of hard to follow the arc of a career when you've got a bunch of finished products in WWE where everybody is championship material. And because of that, you know, how do you choose like really nobody's championship material because everybody's ready, but only, you know, right. you, everybody can't have titles. Nope. And that's the thing with uh, go right into it. Uh, AEW Dark. And now AEW Elevation, 
we're seeing younger talent where it's okay to mess up. It's okay to mess up a move because they're just starting out. And I love it, man. I love seeing that uh, the acclaimed. I love seeing Jack Evans finally back on TV. And um, I love seeing all these guys coming out there, man. And the guys that we don't know, like uh, we got, um, what was it, Baron? One guy's name is Baron on there. Week, week, week in, week out, we saw Royal Money on there one week with the gun mm-hmm. club. There's so many guys out there, man, that are really making a name for themselves and getting the shot on YouTube.com, you know? Yeah, they're, they're, they're looking for people to kind of come into that next level because, I mean, there are a lot of guys who are around our age, I will admit it, that, you know, I mean, even, well, you mentioned Jack Evans. I mean, Jack Evans is 38. So, you know, th- there's... I mean, he doesn't look it, I know, but right. it's probably because he's, you know, 5'8 and a buck 65. So he doesn't, you know, he, he kind of looks like a kid by comparison. But, I mean, there's certainly a lot of younger talent that has a lot of room to grow. Uh, you know, Jungle Boy, for example. I mean, he's only 23. That's insane. And, I mean, this, the sky's the limit for him. Uh I mean, I guess also in, in that realm, I mean, well, he's he's got kind of a mentor in Luchasaurus who's, you know, who's, well, certainly a lot older. I mean, you know, dinosaurs have kind of been around a little while. But, right. uh, I mean, Dar- Darby Allen is 28, you know? I mean, th- yeah. there's, there, there's, there's guys who are in their 20s that certainly are looking for opportunities. You know, even uh, Colton Gunn, you know, Billy Gunn's uh, son. You know, I mean, he's, you know, just shy of 30. You know, Austin Gunn is 26. I mean, and they're, they're listening to the vets. You got Vicky Guerrero helping out the women's division. You got Arn Anderson, Jerry Lynn. You got all these different versatile players in the game helping out everybody from high flyers to heavyweights to lightweights to middleweights. They're all they're, there's someone from each class that can help these guys out and teach them the right way, which is amazing. Yeah, there's uh, there there's certainly a lot of that, and there's that mix of experience and inexperience that it, it gives you, you know, it gives you underdog stories, right? Even Jake the Snake Roberts said he'll work for AEW for free. That's how much he loves the brand and loves just being a part of the action and being around the younger talent. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, just. Yeah, certain certain individuals. I mean, yeah, Jake is still killing it on the microphone at age sixty-five when people thought that you know that he wouldn't have made it twenty years ago. That you know, we we thought we'd lose him as part of a lot of a lot of wrestlers who uh who kind of fell by the wayside in life. Right. right. Now another thing I want to talk about with AEW is uh the new faction. Uh, consisting of MJF, Warlow, FTR, Tully, and Sean Spears, turning them back on the inner circle of Chris Jericho. Did you see that coming this quickly? It's one of those things where you knew that something was going to happen. You just didn't know when, and you didn't know how. And, I mean, it was going to be a matter of, you know, well, and in a way you didn't know who. You didn't know whether it was going to be the inner circle turning on MJF, whether it was going to be MJF. Uh, they even kind of poked fun at it as they noted that MJF was trying to 
recruit members of the winner circle kind of planning a coup and yeah then next thing you know out comes the pinnacle and there's definitely a four horsemen-esque vibe to them right even though it's you know it's five of them right yes it's, it's, i like you said man with impact wrestling and new japan pro wrestling Everything so far is going according to plan. So they keep this up. We're going to have the Monday Night Wars. Hell, we're going to have wrestling wars now. And it's going to be great for the sport. Well, here's... I, I, I know that we hear that term a lot about the Wednesday Night Wars. You know, back in the day, the Monday Night Wars. I think the problem with that is it leads you to believe that you only have to support one side right and frankly no the competition is good but it shouldn't be a you know it, it, we've seen so much that's been polarized with our nation over the course of the last five years yep wrestling does not need to be one of those things you can in fact enjoy wwe and aew you can in fact enjoy impact wrestling and new japan pro wrestling you don't necessarily have to just support one particular entity and ride or die with them right you know you don't have to just like one flavor of ice cream because for so many years all we were given was one flavor of ice cream now, all of a sudden, multiple flavors are being thrown out there. Maybe you like chocolate ice cream. Maybe you don't. Maybe you like cookies and cream. Maybe you don't. Maybe you like mint chocolate chip. Maybe you don't. But the options are out there now, and that's only a good thing, as opposed to you'll get vanilla and like it, and right. that's your only option. Now, Ferran, we're on the top of the hour already, but I, oh, see, you getting that, I see you getting that swagger back. So um, I got to hear you, man, and in your mystic man voice. Can you please fire Matt Porter for me right now? Oh, gosh. Uh, uh, well, I was going to say, I get to stream after this, so we'll see if I have any voice left. But uh-huh. Matt Porter, you're fired. <laughs> Damage. Fran, always a pleasure, man. We definitely got to do this more often. And uh, hope you had a great St. Patty's Day, man. I can't wait to get you back on Monka Radio soon, man, in the studio. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be a good time for sure. I'm looking forward to it. So from Ferrandary, you know me, I'm RC. You just got completely damaged on MonkerRadio.com, where music and minds meet. Completely damaged. Completely damaged.